Well, good morning, visionary family, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. I am a recovered compulsive overeating bulimic in Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, June 20th, 2019. So today we are reading from the big book. Imagine that. And we're on page 34. Third, last paragraph there. This is how then shall we help. And we will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. So today's readers are for the 12 steps, Panina L, 12 traditions, Robin V, the readers of the text, Vinny T, Liz V, and Lauren N, our newcomer greeter, Naomi B, and our second hour host, Sandy W. So the reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, June 19th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 13054, 13054. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 13056, 13056. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now ask Panina L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Panina. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. I'm Panina L., recovered from South Florida in the 12 steps. Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to make a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Panina L. Next up, we have Robin V. reading the 12 traditions. Good morning, Robin. Good morning. Good morning, Kelly and everyone. This is Robin V. recovered in Massachusetts. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come First, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you for your service, Robin V. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what we read. So we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So, okay, today we are resuming in a bigger book. Bigger book. (laughs) We're on page 34, cracking myself up. We're on the third last paragraph there that says, how then shall we help? And we're going to be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. And Vinny T. will get us started. Good morning, Vinny. Good morning. This is Vinny T. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Well, I've been abstinent since uh, mid-November of 2017. And uh, let me get reading here. How then shall we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to the alcoholic who alcoholic sufferers, and perhaps the medical fraternity. So shall we describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking? For obviously, this is the crux of the problem. Whoa. Um, well, as I said, I, I'm you know very gratefully 
uh, unbroken in my abstinence since uh, 2017 in November and uh, recovered since July 30th of last year. I don't have a relapse in that period of time, um, but I'm scared to death of it um, because I don't even know what the the mental state is that I get into. Um, if I did, I, I would have some warning, um, or something I could work on. But every, you know, my only experiments are with dieting and every diet I would come out of it, you know, like, this is great. You know, I, I know all about me now. I know how to handle it. I am never going to put this weight back on again. And I, I can't even, I don't even think days went by before, well, probably not a day. I mean, probably the very first thing I ate thinking that I was cured was the end of that, and I would start right back up again. So uh, even though I've read this before, I'm going to be paying attention to what what is that mental state um, that gets us. I don't know. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, Vinny T. Okay, so um, if you're just joining us, we are on page 34, bottom of the paragraph, how then shall we help our readers? And if you haven't um, shared in the last uh, couple days or so and would like to, give me your first name and last initial, or first initial your last name. Melissa C. Melissa? Andrea B. B. I didn't get that. Something B. Andrea B. And Andrea, gotcha. Reva P. Reva. Reva P. M G. Vasa O. Vasa O. Nancy T. Nancy T. Well, we will just stop there. That's a good lineup. Here's what I have. Melissa C. Andrea B. Reva P, Kim G, Vasa O, and Nancy T. If you guys will all make sure you're muted by pressing star one, we will get started with Melissa C, followed by Andrea B. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, good morning. I don't know, am I still unmuted? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great, thanks. Uh, Melissa C, recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And um, if you could time me, because I don't have my timer handy, I would appreciate that, thanks. Thank you for your service also, Kelly. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so, you know, like what's, what is really occurring to me as I've been reading um, closely this chapter is the emphasis placed on proper diagnosis, you know, like, and, and why is it so important that, you know, like so much of this book is devoted to this, you know, kind of figuring out if you've got this thing, um, you know, it's because if the reader does, in fact, have this disease and they fully concede to their innermost self that they've got this thing, like, there's no other remedy that we can offer other than what we're going to be spelling out, you know, first entire abstinence and working all the 12 steps. And, you know, like, um, entire abstinence, okay, that's hard enough, but, like, when we start getting into, like, what the work is, if you've got any doubt that you have this, you know, like I've had in the past, then it's going to be real easy for me to say, yeah, I don't want to do that, or that doesn't apply to me. You know, and so um, it's 
it's like crucial that we talk about the mental state, like this this insane thinking that you know begins to dominate me when I'm abstinent. You know, like that's that's the crux of the problem. Like what happens inside my brain that switches, you know, that that twist that suddenly what I wanted more than anything else in the world, you know, to put the food down, to get my crap together, um, suddenly becomes unimportant. Like, I change my mind. And, you know, and I no longer want the very thing that I wanted more than anything. And so, like, I know when I work with someone um, and, and the reason that we have our meeting is we want to be helpful to other people. And so I've got to tell them the exact crazy thoughts I had so that that person um, can know that these thoughts, if they're having them, it's an important um, symptom of the disease. It's a characteristic of the disease. And that, you know, I don't just share, like, what I did with food or, or how crazy my life got, but, like, how when I put the food down, how my brain convinced me, you know, on the stupidest thing that um, that today is a great idea to eat, you know, like, because that's the crux of my problem. If leaving the food alone could cure it, um, then then I would be cured the first time I had a diet. And so, you know, why do I tell people, like, how my brain, um, you know, would say, well, it's Friday or... You know, like a crazy thought I had was I'm never going to be able to do this forever anyway. I'm just going to blow it anyway, you know, so so why not now? You know, any kind of thinking. And so I can, I can share those things because I can offer hope, you know. Um, when they learn that, uh, yeah, I had those same exact thoughts, but I've recovered despite thinking the same way. And, and that's what we have um, – a solution to we have a solution here to my crazy brain um thank you with that i'll pass kelly s star one nine mute Thank you. Sorry, Leah. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andrea B., you're up, followed by Reva P. Hi. Can I switch places with the person who's after me? Um, I have to go and do something right now, but it won't take very long. Okay. Thanks. Reva, are you available? Reva P.? Yes, I am. Yes. Thank you Hi, so much. Is, Appreciate um, you. Hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. So how are they being helpful by telling me this information? You know, the word crux is, I, I just looked it up, it says it's the most essential, main point. Um, so the most important thing I need to learn that this chapter is telling me over and over again is that not only do I have the allergy um, of specific foods, ingredients, and behaviors, but the crux, the main issue, the point that they're driving home is the thing that gets me to pick up after I've been um, abstinent, when I'm abstinent, um, is my mind. And that I can, I can sort of white-knuckle 
abstinence, um, but I can't white knuckle changing my thinking. I just I can't will myself to change my thinking. It's it just doesn't work. Um, so this is reminding me over and over that it's essential that I work the steps because for some reason that I still don't understand, something happens when I do the step work, the power that I don't understand what it is comes in and somehow changes my thinking so that I get to page 85 where I recoil um, from foods, ingredients, behaviors, like from a hot flame. Um, And I'm not, it's so hard for me to explain, but, you know, being ruled by all that monkey chatter and all that talking, 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 talking in my head, it's so unbearable. Um, I didn't even know it was there until I came into program and put the food down and started working the steps. I didn't realize how... um, severe, how harsh, how excruciating the thinking was. And, you know, this is a lifetime work. Um, So I'm so grateful for the reminder that I need to not just put the food down. That's sort of like a step zero prerequisite. I need to work these steps over and over and over, going deeper and deeper and deeper because it's my mind that takes me down. My mind, my emotions, they're so intertwined. Um, And... I am amazed after years and years, I'm still seeing and seeing deeper and deeper the grooves, the beliefs um, that drive me. And thank you, God, um, I can access a power that gives me ease, comfort, and peace with that stuff. um, So I don't need to pick up the food. Um, But that is the crux. That's the main point. And this chapter brings home with all these case examples, um, people who put the food down, did a little bit of step work, um, but pick up anyway because I need that transformation of my thinking. And if I could make it happen, I would do it myself and I wouldn't be here, but that hasn't seemed to work yet. So I'll just keep pressing on with you guys. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. Andrea B., are you available? I am. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. You know... It's interesting for me because my thinking around the disease, as many of us have shared, is temporary. There's that ongoing understanding, intellectual understanding that I have a disease. There is that. It's, it exists. There's also the realization in the midst of you know, picking up that I have a disease. There is the emotional um, reaction that precedes that first bite. But there is that split second right after that emotional reaction in between the thought you, have, you can't pick up when the decision on my part is made to go ahead and pick up. And I am powerless over that moment. I, intellectually, I completely understand that I have a disease. I have a problem. I can't do this but I am powerless over that split second. And that's where my higher power has to step in. But before I can get to that place, before I got to that place, I had to go through thousands and thousands and thousands of times picking up. I had to go through, you know, God knows how many times I've done my step work. 
But by continuing to come back and to be willing to say, once again, I am powerless. I need to do this work. I need to, you know, press on. I have a higher power that loves me. You know, that's where I found my salvation. So I just, that's all I really wanted to say. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Andrea B. Next up, we have Kim G., followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and I've been recovered since 2011. You know, jumps out at me, the one of us, one of us, and that mental state thinking that isn't the crux of my problem. You know, if food and weight was really my problem, which is what I thought for years, um, I'd gotten to goal weight. And if that was my problem, I should feel comfortable and free when I lose that weight. If food was my problem, then when I got accidents hundreds of times, then I should have gotten comfortable and free in accidents. My real problem is my thinking. You know, if I had a one-fold illness of this allergy of the body, Honestly, rehab will kick out 100% because they free people of their substance and they can have a logical conversation, don't do that anymore, and Nancy Reagan just say no and it would have worked. And we're going to be seeing now in this chapter four stories, not of people who are drunk and can't get sober, but people who are sober and make that insane decision to pick up. You know, that the man of 30 who after a certain amount of time thinks he's immune. You know, I, I have an allergy to penicillin. I had a bad reaction as, as an infant. I'm under no delusion that at 52, if I have penicillin, I'm not going to have a reaction. In fact, it's probably going to be a lot worse because my body is older. You know, the jaywalker talks about the consequences continuing to increase, but his mind tells him that this time is going to be different. And then our wonderful friends, Jim and Fred, you know, the idea that I'm an emotional eater or that the circumstances of my life make me eat. You know, Jim is someone that has the worst day, and he eats. But Fred has the best day, and he eats. It dust delusions I've even heard in the room. You know, that idea of, oh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, that's going to be my defense. But I don't know about you all. I eat when I'm happy, and I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm, when I'm angry, and I eat when I'm in a good mood. I eat when I'm lonely, and I eat when I'm in a feeling social. I eat when I'm tired, and I eat after a good night's sleep. The idea that I can just avoid my triggers. I have to tell you, I have one trigger. It's being awake. You know, the emotions. I love when Harvey says the build up of emotions, but I have to tell you, too, I eat over any emotion, so it doesn't matter what the emotion is. So let's just take a little survey. If you really are an emotional eater, if you really is your circumstances, how many have you eaten when you're happy? How many have eaten when you're sad? How many have eaten when you break up with someone? How many have eaten when the relationship is going good? How many have eaten when you have no money? How many have eaten when you have lots of money? You know, I'm screwed. If you're one of us, you're screwed. And what this chapter specifically puts the nail in the coffin is, I thought that step one was so neat. And what I'm going to learn through this big book is step one is I'm going to eat I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat, unless I have a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim, for your share. Next up, Vasa O, followed by Nancy T. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Kelly and everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service, Kelly. And this is another really good paragraph. 
I can't diagnose other people what they are. I can share my own experience, what I did with the food. And uh, I and nobody could convince me it was compulsive overeater. I knew I just didn't know what to do about it. I you know and I did I I did everything I could in my own power, but none of it worked until I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and and I learned about the allergy and the mental obsession and and admitting that I was powerless over the food step one, and I needed to find a power greater than myself. And I was so ready and willing. I will do whatever you tell me to. I just do not want to die. And I also took the questionnaire, you know. They gave me in the newcomer's uh, kid, are you a compulsive overeater? I checked every one of them. I got A for the first time in my lifetime. I don't remember getting A's in school, maybe effort. But anyways... So, but the most important thing for me is to tell the solution. Yeah, that was the problem. I suffered for 25 years of my lifetime. Now I found the solution. I was just so grateful. I went to a graduation party last night, and I said, beside a loved one, um, and uh, she's very thin, and she is controlling her food all the time. And I know, I, I could identify that's what I did, get on the scale every couple of days. If I didn't lose any weight after dieting for a day or two, if I didn't lose and I would, oh, forget it, I didn't lose any. Or if I lost and I, oh, now I can go and have one more of this or that and go back back into oblivion. So, but, she, you know, it's just like I I didn't share too much with her. It's the control. You know, if I'm going to control the food, the food is controlling me. I'm so, so grateful. I don't have to control the food today. And, uh, yes, surrender and uh, find them. And I do, I mean, before I, it was unconscious what I did with the food. I ate over anything. And today I am conscious what I put in my mouth from becoming unconscious to becoming conscious. And I am um, recoiling like a flame from from the fire, like from the stove. So I'm just so grateful that I have, that's my time, I have the conscious and consciousness today. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O, for your share. Next up, Nancy T., and then we'll be opening it up again. So good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. So grateful to be on the line with you all this morning. You know, this paragraph reminds me of a very critical fact that the big book has already told me, which is that the main problem centers in my mind. It's my thinking that happens before I pick up that first bite. And so what does that look like for me? What is that mental obsession? Well, it could be, um, I'll give a recent example. I didn't think this, but this is if I'm, when I'm not in a recovered state, this is what I would think. My family is um, planning to have taco salad this weekend. My sister's here from out of town. And they always put at the base of their taco salad um, corn chips. And I'm like, my thought might be, well, if it's on a salad, a few chips won't hurt. Well, chips is a trigger food for me, so that's that's a ridiculous thought, but that's the kind of thinking. 
Or um, for me, artificial sweetener is a trigger. So if it's a really super hot day and I'm at a friend's house and there's, um, you know, she offers me a diet soda and I say, oh, one won't hurt. You know, or maybe I'm in a restaurant and I order a, a baked potato, a plain baked potato, and they accidentally bring it full of sour cream and bacon bits and butter and all this stuff. And I go, oh, well, in a restaurant, it won't hurt. That is the kind of mental thinking that has preceded every single one of my relapses in the past, without exception. And, you know, I know they talk in the big book, too, about the mental blank spot. I'm not sure if I've ever had no thought. Uh, you know, I, I always have some kind of thought. And I've given into it every single time. You know, the last one time I went through the steps and then relapsed, I had an amazing spiritual experience. But I fell into the same problem that Jim did, which we're going to read about in a few paragraphs. I failed to enlarge. That's the part, enlarge my spiritual life. I would connect, but I wasn't working on growing spiritually. And I didn't heed those warnings that come after step 10 in the big book about resting on my laurels and what's going to happen. I would connect, but I wasn't growing. And so when I'm not growing, eventually I'm going to quit connecting. It's just, and then if I quit connecting, I'm going to succumb to the desire again. I'm going to pick up that, that first bite. And I don't, I don't want to do that today. So today I make sure I'm growing. My spiritual growth is the most important thing in my life today because if I'm not growing spiritually, I'm dying in the food. It's hands down. Those are my two alternatives. And my life today, recovered, growing spiritually with my creator every single day is far better than um, my best day in the food. I do not wish that hell on anybody, nor do I want to risk going back there today. So for today, I'm following the instructions. And if I do that, when those mental blank spots or those mental twists come, I have the needed power to um, combat them because I'm not doing it on my own. I'm doing it with the help of my higher power. So thank you so much. Great paragraph. And thank you for all the people that are giving service today. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy T., for your share. All right. So here's where we're at. Uh, We are in the big book. We are on page 34, bottom of the page there on how then shall we help our readers and we read and commented on that one paragraph. If you have not shared in the last couple of days and would like to, give me your first name and first initial of your last name. Arlisa Barbara P. P. Hudson L. Mary M. I heard somebody before Barbara P., but I didn't get their name. Hudson L. I got Hudson. Okay. Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Lisa B. Lisa B. Mary M. Craig F. Mary M. Craig F. Leah S. Larry K. Larry. Okay. We'll see if we can get to all these people. <laughs> Here's who I have. This may be too many, so sorry, guys. Uh, Carlisa C. Barbara B. Hudson L. Lisa B. Mary M. Craig F. Leah S. And Larry K. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, if you can all make sure you're muted, pressing star one. We'll get started with Carlisa C., followed by Barbara B. Good morning, Carlisa. Good morning. Am I still unmuted? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you so much for your awesome service. I'm just so inspired that you all can catch our names. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. So I'd like to apply this to my today so that I can 
help myself understand that what I what I'm going for each day is a daily reprieve based in my spiritual conscious contact and conditioning. So I'm getting um, doing a small renovation on my uh, uh, condominium, and if you've ever worked with other people on any project ever. Uh, you'll know, like I I do, that I cannot control other people, places, or things. Although control is exactly what I want to do. And behind my control at, at every point is fear that I will not get what I want or something I have will be taken. Why this awareness is important to me today is and and it's a good piece of awareness is that I know if I am feeling like I got to fret about what time the contractor is coming, what he's going to be up to, whether what all of that, if I'm doing all that fretting, that is a warning sign that I need to make some conscious contact with the, my higher power, which today, thank God, is not in a bottle or bag. So because all is well, you know, all is well. All is well. And conscious contact is something I have to make every day, and I have to start my day with conscious contact. And there are millions of ways for people to do it, but one way that I do it is to say the serenity prayer, walk step one through three, and get into in this meeting, read the daily reflection, and do some writing. Other people have whatever works for them. But it's important for me to see how this stuff today affects my life, and it's only through working this consciously that I can be, I have one more day, one more day of absence. And with that, I will pass. Well, thank you so much, Carly. Next up, Barbara B., followed by Hudson L. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. This is Barbara P., like prayer. Oh, sorry. Um, Gotcha. No worries. So, yeah, what strikes me this morning, um, this got me thinking about what, what, so we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. So for me, I started thinking about, okay, so what were those, if I look at my relapse history, and unfortunately I'm one of those folks that had one, what preceded that idea that I could eat? And, and it, you know, because I feel so, when I'm in this, I'm so centered in, nope, this is me. I know I have this thing. Anyway, but in the past, what, what I can identify is self-reliance and defiance are probably the two mental states, particularly when I'm feeling good, particularly when I've lost my weight and I'm walking in a pretty normal body and I'm, you know, acting fairly normal around food and, and living life. Um, I've picked up on vacations, I've picked up on all kinds of things like that, thinking, ah, I'm on vacation, I'm on my own, I'm good, I feel good. That is almost the harder state, that's the bigger danger zone, is not when my skin is crawling, but when, when my skin's not crawling, when I feel good. But it's when I pull away from this program, and the thing that always stands out, I love visuals, And I always think of like the Discovery Channel shows and things when you have a a herd of zebra and they're just peacefully grazing and there's a lion stalking or a tiger stalking. And, you know, bottom line is one starts to stray. One of those little zebra just decides there's a better patch of grass. 
And uh, man, and I just want to scream at them, no, you know, stay with the pack. I find when I'm feeling good, I can tend to pull away from the pack. And that is such a danger zone for me. I need to stay firmly in the middle of this program. Very recently, I will say, I'm just feeling this like, oh, I just want to get away. Um, that's when I have to work this harder. That's when I have to throw myself in the center and do those things I don't feel like doing because that is absolutely the mental state that precedes my potential relapse. So for today, I'm just grateful to be in the center of the pack. Thanks, my past. Thank you so much, Barbara P. Next up, we have Hudson L. followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Hudson. Did you say my name? This is Hudson L. I did. Hi, hi. Hi. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't shared in a long time. And um, the truth is, is I have just kind of been doing a fluttery light touch in the program for for a few weeks. Um, I uh, parted ways with a, a sponsor and was uh, in, the, in the place of looking for another sponsor, and then I kind of decided to take my time with that, which is a, a very dangerous, slippery slope. Um, fortunately, um, I didn't break my abstinence during the uh, air quote vacation from rigorous work, work in the program, but um, I felt I felt myself feeling kind of slippery. And when I say slippery, it wasn't so much with the food; it was with my thinking. Um, my conscious contact with God uh, was spotty at best, and um, I decided to reach for the lifeline and the life saver or whatever when you're out there in the ocean and pull myself back to shore and find myself where I need to be, which is which is with, with my fellows and in my my relationship with my spirit, my God, uh someone said something about the their the most important thing was their connection to God and I I started to weep, and um, and and in that moment, I felt I felt that truth again, and that's that's where I must be. I must be uh, in the morning ritual. I must be uh, remembering to pray when I struggle. I must uh, remember to 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 do the nightly inventory and do it. Uh, these things for me tether me to the truth of who I am, which is a compulsive overeater. And I I need that. I need that um, sanctuary with my higher power. That's where I'm most safe. This brain is full of all kinds of ideas and and um, left at my own in my own at uh, my own thoughts, I can easily slip into the food as I slipped into this kind of vacation from the program. Um, I'm so grateful to be on the line this morning and and with with y'all. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Hudson L. Next up, we have Lisa B. followed by Mary M. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And 
it's just been such a powerful meeting. I've needed to hear everything that everyone has said. So thank you, everyone that shares. Um, I like that word precede, meaning that it it starts with, and I have to remember that the insanity precedes that first bite. It's not that the insanity comes on and, I mean, it's not that I eat and then the insanity comes on, you know, it's that the insanity comes on and then I eat. And, um, you know, insanity is the state of being seriously mentally ill, madness. That's what the dictionary says. And doctor's opinion tells me, you know, that I am eating. I like alcohol. I like eating compulsively in my alcoholic substances because I like the effect. And so if I'm not getting an effect from the steps, if I'm living in abstinence only, it's a time bomb ticking. And I used to think abstinence was the most important thing. And that's why I love when people identify the date that they got recovered. You know, I began working this process with a recovered sponsor in January of 2016. What a memorable, powerful, I'm so grateful for that time. But I got recovered in April of 2016. I know the month. I know where I was when, when I realized I was recovered. That's when I'm what I'm so grateful for. And my sponsor had said to me that she wouldn't tell me when I was recovered. She just gave me the directions of what the big book says, what it is to be recovered, and that I would see when I'm recovered. And for me, it came the awareness of working with another fellow, of sharing, you know, just like it says here, trying to share with someone um, about the insanity that precedes that first bite. I remember I was sharing with someone that was either in relapse or just coming out of relapse, my experience, strength, and hope. And I had the awareness, oh my gosh, I am recovered. I had completed the 12 steps in abstinence and I knew to the core of my being I was recovered. It was a dramatic change. Um, The other thing I just want to share is, you know, being tethered to my higher power, being in the middle of this fellowship is what keeps me sane and safe. You know, I went on vacation a few years ago and someone in this program reached out to me to ask me if I could be newcomer when I got back. And I was so grateful. I mean, newcomer greeter. I was so grateful for that text because it, it, gave me a commitment. And that's why service is so valuable. Not just carrying a message to other fellows, but service in this fellowship is so valuable. Knowing that I have a job, that I'm in the middle of this program, and that I'm being a value, that I'm useful. It, it keeps me grounded in a way that I can't even explain. And I try to convey that with sponsees about being um newcomer greeter, uh, making, you know, the announcements of the 12 steps and 12 traditions, which does not require abstinence to make reading that. But all of that is just so important. And sharing. Oh, okay. I got so enthused here. I got, I got to get off my soapbox. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate it. I passed. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa B. All right. Next up we have Mary M followed by Craig F. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, uh, fellows. This is Mary M. from Connecticut, um, grateful, recovering, um, compulsive overeater. Um, the, the part that stands out for me this morning is how then shall we help our readers determine uh, to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that's different for me is I've had years of uh, being in and out of the rooms, actually, you know, 12, 20 years. Um, in and out uh, because I didn't believe that I was one of one of us now now I include myself in in the us um, 
but but the thing that sticks out for me is that um, how can we help our readers? One of the things that's been different for me in the last eight months is having a sponsor who has, and, and we continue to read the big book, um, reading line by line and really talking about uh, what the problem is and what the solution is. Um, and, and that has been really critical for me. I've read this book uh, by myself, and I couldn't understand it by myself. Um, I've read it as a flimsy read and still didn't understand it. Um, I've also would say that I've read it with other people, but not entirely abstinent. And so um, that really sticks out to me, the reader part, that we're reading this book with, um, with one another, that we're studying this book and really understanding what the problem is, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, um, and also um, the, 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 the solution is the power, the power of God to help us um, recover and to uh, be abstinent. Uh, the other thing is I would also say that I knew that I was an emotional eater. I could say that very lightly, but I also didn't know what the solution was. Um, today I'm so grateful for having periods of time. I used to feel badly that I was uh, in and out of the rooms and couldn't get this program, couldn't understand why could other people get it and be abstinent and not me. Maybe it wasn't for me, um, but I, I could see that I'm actually grateful today. I'm grateful today that I had those periods of quitting and uh, going back out because today um, I can I, I have that satisfaction. I've come to I now am deter I have that determination um, and I've come to that satisfaction of knowing that I am uh, one of us. I am a compulsive overeater and that I uh, I have to have this program or else I'll go back into uh, into the food and into a life that's unmanageable and uh, the insanity. Um, that I was living in for, for, for decades. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mary M. Next up, Craig F., followed by Leah F. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Kelly. <clears throat> this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, the, of course, the thing that grabs me here is uh, they're going to describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking. Um, because this is the crux of the problem. In other words, they're telling us that the crux of the problem is that once we stop, we can't stay stopped. That that, that, that is, you know, um, that was my problem. You know, I could diet for short periods of time. You know, now they were, uh, those periods of time decreased as I got older, but, uh, you know, I thought that because I could diet for six months or diet for three months, that uh, I must not have this disease. But the fact is, I I always returned, you know. And we used to have a saying among my some of my acquaintances and friends that may have shared this problem, and that is, once a diet stops working, it never works again, you know. Uh, in other words. Uh, once I went off of a particular, but the problem, the truth of the matter was, I can I see now is that what ended those what ended those periods of of control, what ended those periods of not uh, being in the substance, was generally that uh, self will, that idea that I that I've got this now, that I can handle this, 
that uh, you know that I've got some sort of power now, and that and and lies. You know the the kind of lies that I told myself, like uh, if I ate something that wasn't on the food plan, then I didn't need to I didn't need to talk to anybody. I did I just ignore that. You know that was just a one time slip. And and even in program, then why would get abstinent? Um, you know and be going along and 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 have just a little slip just a little slip you know and not be honest with anybody about it not you know because if i was honest then my god what are you going to think about me you know what are you going to think i i can't stay abstinent you know i'm not one of the cool people i'm not you know and, and so i would hide i would uh, uh hide that and and that see that's my self-will my pride my ego coming up saying I can handle this on my own. And uh, so for me, anyway, the mental state that, that precedes the relapse into drinking is, is always, almost always about arrogance and self-will and dishonesty. And uh, so, uh, you know, that that's the thing I need to avoid. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Craig, for your share. Next up, Leah S. and maybe Larry K. We'll see how it goes. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, Leah S. gratefully recovered in Brooklyn. Um, what's I didn't know how to put my share together, but I'm going to just take it the way it comes. Um, when you get into abstinence and you get into um, practicing the 12 steps, you just sort of fall into a habit, and it just comes automatically if it is done persistently each uh, each day, and and you you just you know, and and you just go along with your life. But what happens when all of a sudden challenges come up? And they they really challenge you. Then the, the crux, the 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 real culprit of the disease, just creeps up on you. It creeps up on you. And if you're not going to practice the ten step, you're not going to understand how this is going to help you. And I I don't cease to be amazed that by by doing that stem ten step. I was not only calmed down, but I I I just literally gave it over to God, and this challenge was no longer a challenge. And what what is so amazing is that this morning I woke up, and I got a message that calmed my heart entirely, entirely, and there was no reason for this. So this program not only works, but it works so unbelievably that it can surprise you. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, my goodness, you caught me off guard. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Leah. Okay, Larry, guess what? You have a full three minutes. I'm sure you could use that up. Larry Kay? Oh, can you hear me? Let me try that again, Kelly. Can I be heard? Okay, here I am. Heard. 
okay, good, good. All right, All right. now I got two minutes. That's okay. So when I take a look at this, <laughs> okay, thanks, okay. Kelly, for your service. Um, when I take a look at this phenomenon, um, this this mental state before I take the first bite, this mental state cannot be reduced to the biology of the brain any more than biology or or life can be reduced to the chemicals that 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 it's comprised of, right? And if, if our compulsive eating was only triggered by emotionally significant events, then every human being would be a compulsive overeater because you can't be human and not experience crises and emotional ebbs and flows, and not every human is. And if this were merely a biological condition, then, then everyone whose blood sugar was, was out of whack would be a compulsive overeater, and they're not. See, what we learn in the big book is that our disease has to be understood in spiritual terms as much as biological and emotional. If I don't connect the fact that my mental state of being is absolutely interwoven with my spiritual state of being, then I will never experience this recovered state. <clears throat> you know why I say that? I say that because until I make a profound connection between my thinking and my creator's power that can direct my thinking, if I cooperate, if I don't make that connection, I'll continue to be in charge. In other words, non-cooperative. One can believe in God and still be non-cooperative. You know how I know that one can believe in God and still be non-cooperative? Because I've experienced that state of being. Believing in God, absolutely. Maybe even having a love for God but being non-cooperative and thus the power doesn't flow through. These steps treat the mental state because then we're brought into alignment with God's thinking. And then we can have this thing, and it's the simplest, most organic, free-flowing deal available to anyone. Don't have to know calculus. Don't have to know algebra. Simple. But we've got to understand the connection between my mental state and God's thinking that gave gave, you know, the beginning of my mental state and directs my mental state. Thank God for this program. God's directing my mental state most of the time. I get in the way. With that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Larry Kay. I have like a minute or two if anybody has a burning desire to do a quick little share. Star one. This is Andrea S. Chris G. Go ahead, Andrea S. You got one minute. Hey, thanks. And thanks for your service. And thanks for all of the great shares this morning. You're really pulling me through here. This is Andrea S. in New Jersey. Uh, willfully not recovered. <laughs> it, it, it just occurred to me this morning while I was listening to everybody, especially Carlisa, that I keep wanting to write down what I need to be doing in order to recover or remember to stand on the left foot and then, you know, raise the right hand and make sure my elbow is pointed at the wall in the back of me, like I'm tuning a t an old-fashioned TV antenna in order to get God. And, and I'm just not surrendering. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you. That was actually... Short but perfect timing. Okay, so with that, we will start wrapping up here. Let's see. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing today. 
So the share ID for today, June 20th, 2019, is 13059. 13059. Okay, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Liz V. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Kelly. It's Liz V. Recovered in North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. Trudge the, happy, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.